Praise the Lord. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to read from two segments of Scripture. <clears throat> two segments of Scripture. The book of Joshua, chapter number 1. And uh, there's some reverb up here that if the sound man would be so kind, you could just cut that reverb off. I, I'm going to say enough, I don't need it repeated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I think it's in these monitors, brother. Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 2. And then I'd like to read from 1 Samuel chapter 3 tonight, verse number 1. Praise the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. Reading in Joshua chapter 1, verse 2, my servant, Moses, my servant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. 1 Samuel chapter number 3 tonight. Praise the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Moses, my servant, is dead. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. I don't know what to call this. I think I resolved a title. Going to preach on dead leaders. And dying pulpits. Dead leaders and dying pulpits. Let's ask the Lord to anoint His Word in our hearts to receive it tonight. Oh, Jesus, we thank You for Your Word tonight. We're asking You to move and minister in this house. God, please open the windows of heaven tonight and let Your presence fill this place. Oh, God, allow the burden of my soul to be lifted tonight. Lord, I'm asking you to minister in this house. Lord, would you do a work in this place? God, would you minister in this place tonight? Lord, would you let the nearness of your spirit fill this place? In Jesus' mighty name, we give you the thanks and the praise. And everybody say amen. Let's just give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. Oh, I love you, Jesus. <laughs> Glory to your name. Glory to your name. You may be seated. God richly bless you. The word, the word of the Lord was precious. 
The word precious in the Hebrew here is yakar. The word is valuable. The word means costly. But most important to this, uh, to this message tonight, the word means rare. The word of the Lord was rare. Praise the Lord. In those days, it was rare. There was no open vision. The word open here in the Hebrew is uh, parats. Parats is direct. It means there was no direct vision. There was no compelling vision. It means to urge or urgency. There was no urge or direct vision. The word vision in the Hebrew is kazon. And it means a sight. It means a dream or revelation. Uh, But most importantly, it means prophecy. It means preaching. Praise the Lord. The word of the Lord was rare because there was no direct preaching. Praise the Lord. That would be a very accurate rendition of what this is saying. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare because there was no direct preaching. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 29 and verse 18, where there is no vision, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Isn't that the case in this hour? Where there is no preaching, the people perish. Churches will perish without preaching. Preaching is in very, very rare commodity today. I'm telling you, it's precious. It's rare. It's costly. It's valuable. The most valuable thing we have today is preaching. That is, if you want to get to the promised land. The most valuable yourself too is one God, Jesus name, apostolic, tongue talking, Holy Ghost preaching. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in the book of Amos, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from north even to east. And they shall run to and fro to seek. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. First of all, I want to point out that this time of spiritual obscurity... This time of seeming silence on the behalf of God, it was not the norm. This is not just the way God had always been. Amen. As, uh, as this book opens uh, in Samuel, this has not been the norm for God. As a matter of fact, one could easily look back to the beginning of God's word and see the way God operated and see the way God communicated and the dialogue that God had with his people and with his prophet. God certainly had no problem speaking. God certainly was able to talk. Praise the Lord. The word of the Lord was able to speak. Oh, praise the Lord. 
As a matter of fact, the word of God opens in Genesis 1 and verse 2. Or verse 3, and God said, and God said, darkness and nothingness and voidness was not enough to intimidate God into obscurity. Amen. As a matter of fact, it just prompted God. The darker the condition and the void and the disarray just caused God to speak. Amen. As a matter of fact, when God's spirit began to move, something began to happen. And God said, amen, let there be light. And again in verse 6, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And in verse 9, God said, praise the Lord, let the waters be under the heaven. Explicit instructions and divine order. God began to so precisely create order out of nothingness. In verse 11 God said let the earth bring forth grass. And in verse 14 God said let there be lights in the firmament of heaven. In verse 20 God said let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures. In verse 24 God said let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind. Amen. In Genesis chapter 2 God created a man out of the dust of the ground. Amen. But God did not live in obscure silence. God spoke to him. Amen. I said God spoke to him. It was his desire to speak to man. The Bible says in verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. It was after they sinned, even sin, and sinning against their creator could not stop God. Amen. It could not drive him into obscurity, but he came and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him where art thou and he said who told thee that thou wast naked and the Lord said unto the woman what is this that thou hast done it was but a chapter later that Cain rose up and slew Abel and rejection and killing he that that brought forth a more excellent sacrifice it could not drive God's word into into obscurity but God's word came speaking and talking it was in verse 6 that the Lord said unto Cain amen why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen if thou doest well thou shalt be accepted and then he said again the Lord said unto Cain where is Abel thy brother amen and it was in Genesis chapter 6 that God looked at a world that was corrupt shakoth it was ruin. It was unsalvageable. It was there that God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. God was prompted to explain and speak to Noah because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God spoke unto Noah, make thee an ark. Explicit instructions and explicit details of an ark of safety and of salvation. Make thee an ark of gopher wood shalt thou make in the ark and thou shalt pitch it within and thou shalt pitch it without and this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it it was in verse 17 that he said I even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh but with thee will I establish my covenant that thou shalt come into the ark 
thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And verse 22 said, this did Noah according to all that God commanded him. And so did he. It was in chapter 12 that you see a a paganistic man that God speaks to in in verse 1. Now the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy kindred and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. It was a very intimate relationship that God had with this man because this man was obedient. Abraham had never served a God that spoke before. Abraham had never served a God that talked to him, that gave him commandments. And so he began to tell him, the land that thou seest to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. Explicitly, God began to call Abraham. He said uh, in chapter 15 and 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. In verse 4, he says, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, uh, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth from thy bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth and said, Look at the heavens and, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. I don't have time to go on and on and on, but I just want to pick up some highlights of the motivation and the desire that God had to speak his word to his people how that God had a desire to direct their footsteps how that God had a desire to show them his plans for them take me a heifer of three years old and a she goat of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon and he took these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against the other and the birds he divided he not and when the fowls came down Abraham drove them away and the sun was going down and a deep sleep fell upon Abram and lo a whore of darkness fell upon him and he said unto Abram and he said unto Abram and he said unto Abram know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them four hundred years and also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge and, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance here in this whore of darkness the God of eternity was laying out a explicit prophecy showing him of what was to come showing him of what was going to happen as as a people were going to be in bondage and the Bible said it came to pass as the sun went down and it was dark there was a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, a God that was so close to him. A God that was unfolding the future. A God that was giving enlightenment and insight. That is what God wants to do. That is the way God had operated. That is the way God's heartbeat pumped and his pulse rate pumped. Amen. To share with his creation. To share with his man. It was God that spoke to Abram in Genesis 17. I 
I am the almighty God. Walk before me. Be thou perfect. I'm going to make a covenant between me and thee. And I will multiply thee exceedingly. As for me, behold, my covenant is with me. And thou shalt be a father of many nations. This is my covenant in verse 10 of chapter 17. Which ye shall keep between you and me. And thy seed after thee, every man child, shall be circumcised. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. And it shall be a token of the covenant between you and me. Amen. God could not even hide from Abraham what he was going to do unto Sodom as their wickedness and the stench of their iniquity reached into the heavens. God felt motivated and compelled to speak unto his servant Abraham. Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? And he began to explain to Abraham. And they began to have a conversation. And Abraham actually grabbed the heart of God and began to negotiate with God. God made himself accessible. God spoke and communicated and had dialogue with the man that he had called out. Uh, amen. Of, of his world, of his land. It was in Genesis 28 that God speaks to Jacob at Bethel. And you know the story how that God revealed himself and told him, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and the land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it. And God began to deal with him and talk to him and explain to him. Amen. And God told Jacob to go back to Bethel. Amen. And uh, uh, God spoke to him. Uh, amen. There. And then comes the book of Exodus chapter 3 in verse number Two, praise the Lord, the angel of the Lord appeared in a flaming bush because there the people of God sighed and cried by reason of their bondage. And Almighty God came down because of their groanings and their sigh and their cry. And God felt compelled, and His servant was on the backside of a wilderness. And God, uh, uh, God began to dwell in a bush, a burning bush. And out of a burning bush came words words of a man's name as he stood there beholding the burning bush Moses Moses amen kick off your shoes Moses for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground I am the God of thy father the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters I know their sorrows and I am come down to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up into a land of good and large land a land flowing with milk and honey under the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites oh praise the Lord this was the beginning of so much communication that it would take you weeks and months to analyze it and to follow the dialogue and the explicit details between an eternal God of heaven and this man named Moses. God spoke to Moses. God called Moses. God gave instructions to Moses. Everything from the, throw down your rod. Amen. Pick up your rod. You go tell Pharaoh that I 
I said, let my people go. You tell him, and what shall I say if he asks me who sent me? You tell him that I am, that I am, has sent you. Amen. Everything from the giving of law, everything from the details of how to build an earthen altar and a stone altar that could not be hewn, everything from the tabernacle and how it should be carried, amen, on the shoulders of priests and the building of an ark of a covenant and how it would be overlaid with gold and how there would be cherubims and how you deal with those that lie and how you deal with those that steal and how you deal with those that murder. Everything from local laws to eternal laws. God spoke intimately. God directed everything into this man's ears. This man had it right. Amen. He called him up to Mount Sinai and there God spoke to him as he engraved in tables of stone the Ten Commandments and all of the laws that Moses recorded with pen and paper. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. It would take a long time for you to read through the book of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy to find at how uh, much discourse went on between uh, God and Moses. Hundreds of times the very scripture says, and the Lord spake, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, or the word of the Lord came unto Moses. Praise the Lord. Amen. All through these books, not to mention all the recorded discourse between God and Moses concerning the laws and the ordinances and the priesthood and the tabernacle. From, the, from Egypt to the waters of Merah to the top of Mount Sinai and then finally in Deuteronomy chapter 34 as Moses went from the plains of Moab unto Mount Nemo up to the top of Pisgah that is over against Jericho the word of the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead and Dan and Naphtali and, and Ephraim and Manasseh and the land of Judah, the uttermost sea, and the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho and the city of palm trees and Azor. And then the Lord finally said, uh, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob. I will give it unto thy seed that I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes. But thou shalt not go over thither. God spoke to this man. It was there, it was there at this point in the frequency of God communicating to his people. It was changed. I believe that the words, Moses, my servant, is dead was a turning point. I see it. I analyze it. I go back and scrutinize it. I begin to see something changing. Amen. At the departure of a Moses. Not to say that Joshua did not hear the voice of God. Oh, immediately after uh, my text, he said, uh, Amen. Now that the death of the, my servant Moses, it came to pass. The Lord spake unto Joshua. Moses my servant is dead now therefore arise and go over this Jordan thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them 
even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness of this Lebanon, even to the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. I will not fail thee. I will not forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people thou shalt divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto the fathers to give them. If you read through the word of the Lord, you will find that Joshua simply confirmed the commandments that God gave to Moses. Uh, Joshua was loyal unto Moses and he confirmed the word of the Lord that God gave to Moses. For it was in Exodus 23 that Joshua heard the word of Moses. Moses was told by God and told the people of God, thou shalt not make no, thou, thou shalt make no covenant with the people nor with their gods they shall not dwell in the land lest they make thee sin against me for if thou serve their gods it will surely be a snare unto thee in, uh, uh, in Numbers uh, 33 and 50 the Lord spake to Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho saying speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them when you are passed over the Jordan into the land of Canaan then ye shall drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you and ye shall destroy all their pictures and destroy all their molten images and quite pluck down their high places ye shall dispossess the land of the, uh, the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein for I have given you the land to possess it and ye shall divide the land for an inheritance among your families and the more ye shall give the more inheritance and the fewer ye shall give the fewer inheritance every man's inheritance shall be in the place where his lot falleth according to the tribes of your fathers ye shall inherit but if if ye will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you let remain, they shall be pricks in your eyes. They shall be thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land which you dwell. Moreover, it shall come to pass that I shall do unto you as I thought to do unto them. It was in Deuteronomy 7 that God told Moses uh, that you shall when I bring you into the land whether thou goest to possess it and there be many nations before thee the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites and the Lord thy God shall deliver them from before you thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them thou shalt make no covenant with them nor show mercy unto them neither shalt thou make marriages with them thy daughter shall not you shall not give your daughter to their son and neither let them uh, take their daughter to your son and vice versa they will turn away your son from following me uh, that they may serve other gods and the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly but thus shall you deal with them ye shall destroy their altars you will break down their images you will cut down their groves you will burn 
burn their graven images with fire because you are a holy people unto the Lord your God. The Lord thy God had chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God. He is the faithful God which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I commanded thee this day to do them. And so it was Joshua's lot to carry on these commandments that was rehearsed in his ears over and over and over and over and over and over again. And so Joshua says, hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you. Ye shall without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Joshua carries on the loyalty, amen, to Moses and to God and all of these nations that were to be driven out. I think we need to realize and understand, analyze why it is that God wanted to drive these nations out. All of these nations represented sin. They represented evil. They they served Baal and they served Ashtaroth. They served Milcom and they served Chemosh. They served Molech and they served Baal Peor. They served gods of immorality, gods of degradation, gods, uh, amen, of blasphemy. They serve gods of self-mutilation. They serve gods of destruction and gods of evil. And so God wanted to make sure it was ingrained in the heart of this people that he said, I've not called thee because thou wert the greatest of all people or greater in number, but I called thee because thou wast but the fewest of people and that because I loved you and I want to show my mercy unto you. Therefore shall you keep my commandments and if you will, I'm going to bless you as you come in and I'm going to bless you as you go out. Your enemies will come in one direction and they'll flee in seven. I'm going to make you the head and not the tail. I'm going to bless your I'm going to bless your fruit. Amen. I'm going to bless your cattle. Your vine will not cast forth this fruit before it's time in the field. If you will but serve me and drive out the sin and drive out the evil and drive out the immorality if you will tear down their groves and destroy their pictures I want you to hate what I hate and I want you to love what I love well praise the Lord God's word had not hidden in obscurity. The word was not rare. The word was there, right there in their hands. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. Depart from evil and do good. Amen. Hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave unto me. I hate every false way. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. 
and pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. Hate the evil and love the good. Establish judgment in the gate. Amen. Paul went on to say, abhor that which is evil. It was God's desire to show his people why they needed to hate evil. Why they needed to destroy the inhabitants of the land. Why they needed to drive out the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Canaanites because they'll turn your heart away from me. They'll take from you the promise. They'll take from you your inheritance. They will destroy not only you but they will destroy the future generation after you. But if you will do what I've commanded you, I will without fail, I will bless you. I will keep you. I will allow you to be successful. I will give you peace. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. It's not hard. It's not hard to see the parallel or the ensample. It's not hard to see the role that the church in the wilderness or the Old Testament people of God played. It's not hard to see the typology. Just read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would that ye should, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and they passed through the sea. Now these things were our examples that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them as it is written the papal sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for in samples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall it's not hard for us to understand why God told them to drive out amen these immoral nations it was not people but sin that God wanted them to deal with amen it was sin and evil and wickedness that God knew would steal their hearts from him that God knew would cause them to be destroyed praise the Lord then comes the book of Judges then comes the book of Judges and there was a tremendous progression of compromise I cannot tell you how or when or where. I don't know what allowed the people to go on into this direction. It really makes no difference what allowed them to go on. Amen. The fact is they did. And it started little glimpses and shadows began to take place even while Joshua was alive and it started in the princes of Israel because right after the fall of Jericho amen and Ai and Joshua was doing his part he was driving out sin even to the point that when Jericho had fallen and Ai had become a hindrance uh, that Joshua ran his 
arose and began to search his heart. And God said, get up. There's sin in the camp. There was no failure on behalf of Joshua. He dealt with the sin. He took the bodies of Achan and his family outside the gate. He stoned them with stones. You know the story. Amen. It was not that there was any failure in Joshua. But the princes of Israel uh, saw the next city on the list. Uh, It was the Gibeonites that realized that the judgment of God is coming down the road. The Gibeonites were next on the hit list in God's army of commanders. And so the Gibeonites went out and found them some old wineskins. And they found them some old moldy bread and worn, tore out apparel and old wore out sandals. And they came into the camp of Israel and they said, we came on a far journey. We've seen you from afar and we want to serve your God. We see the greatness, amen, of your God and all what we're trying to do is serve your God. That's what we really want to do. What they were really trying to do was save their hides. It looked so innocent. It looked so unthreatening. It did not look like anything to be afraid of. But there was more to it than just moldy bread. Amen. And worn out wine flask. And before it was over, uh, the princes of Israel swore unto their God that they would not destroy them. Amen. And before it was over, they began to have a position in the people of God. They were toting bread and carrying water. It started there. That was the beginning of the downfall. And it didn't take very long for it to go south from there. Amen. If you begin to read into the book of Judges, you can find the long list and legacy of what went wrong and who it went wrong with. Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean and her towns, nor Tanakh and her towns. And I can, uh, it's all there in black and white. In verse 28, when Israel was strong, when Israel was strong, they put the Canaanites to tribute. That simply means they gave them a place to labor among them. Rather than fight them and rather than declare war against them, they simply allowed them to have a place among them. Not a place of exaltation, but just a place where they could exist. Just peacefully coexist. I'm going to tell you, it's never been the will of God to peacefully coexist with sin, with Trinitarians, with idolatry, with fornication, with iniquity. There's never been a place that God would allow his people to peacefully coexist. That's why God would not fight for Israel at Ai because they had taken of the accursed thing. It's not hard to see this about God. You know that it's right. It's been God's ways from the very beginning. God over and over and over and over repetitively, repetitively, repetitively told them ye shall drive them out. Ye shall tear down their altar. Ye shall make no habitation with them. That's not hard for me to understand. Praise the Lord. That's not hard. But something happened. And I don't mind telling you there was a progression of compromise that began. One of the tribes neglected to utterly drive out the inhabitants of the land. And I cannot begin to tell you how much pressure it put on the rest of them. 
to not fight. It put a lot of pressure, amen, when, when Manasseh failed to drive out the inhabitants. Then pretty soon Ephraim failed to drive out the Canaanites. They failed to hold up the battle on their part. Amen. Because there's just strength in unity. And there's just strength to know that we're in this together. And we're standing together. And we're fighting the enemy together. And we know what sin will do. We know what will happen if we let our daughters marry their sons. We know what will happen if we let our sons marry their daughters. We know what will happen if we fail to not drive down... uh, and destroy their pictures and their images. We know what's at stake here. If we want God's promise, if we want God's blessing, we've got to labor in this together. We've got to take a sword. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. And so, little by little by little, Amen. Another, another. That's why the Bible says, how can two walk together except they agree? And to know them that labor among you. What you fellowship is what you will become. What you around a lot is what you will eventually begin to take on in the characteristics of your life. Amen. So Manasseh failed to drive out the inhabitants. And Ephraim failed to drive out the inhabitants. And Zebulun failed to drive out the inhabitants. And Asher failed to drive out the inhabitants. And, and one by one by one by one. And it takes a lot to stay in battle. It takes a lot for every tribe to do a roll call and make sure everybody's here and make sure everybody still has a passion for the, for the Lord and the things of God and make sure everybody's in this together. Come on, Manasseh, is everybody here? Every camp, every tent pitched toward the high place. Every tent's gonna be pitched toward the house of God. Everybody in this together. Are we all coming to worship tonight? Do we all believe? believe in one God? Do we all have baptism in Jesus' name as our battle cry? Hello! Are we all believing in holiness and love not the world, neither the things that are in the world? The roll call went on and on and on, but little by little, somebody realized hey, the church down the road there, they're not driving them out anymore. And the church up the road there is not driving them out anymore. It just makes things difficult, amen, to have to deal with it when you're used to having, amen, arm in arm, unity in the things of God. And pretty soon, not only are they not driving them out, but some of them, Benjamin, are being driven out themselves. And before it's over, the pressure is not just in the fact that you're standing by yourself fighting these enemies. Please be seated. But now you're being criticized for making such a big deal of fighting the enemy. What are you doing fighting all the time? What are you doing trying to drive out Jebusites all the time? As a matter of fact, you spend more of your time preaching against those Jebusites and those Canaanites than you do anything else. And I don't mind telling you, somewhere behind the scenes, please be seated, somewhere behind the scenes, it was more than just the leaders. Amen. There was something going on in the people.
people. It was there all the time. No wonder why the leaders succumbed. No wonder why the leaders felt such a pressure to not drive out, to not fight. Because the people, amen, the people that he preached about last night that said, well, we'll just hang around a while. He'll get tired of preaching all this and then we'll be able to let our flesh do what the Jebusites do. Oh yeah, somewhere in the scope of every bit of this. Amen, while the preachers were struggling. Amen, the people, the people's hearts were already going a-whoring. They were already a-whoring after idols. But I'm going to tell you something. Something kept them in check in the days of Moses. At the very murmuring at the waters of Merah, Moses had a conscience. Moses had a drive. Moses had a purity. And Moses began to cry out to the Lord. And God used him because of his crying. And God used him because of his conscientiousness. And God gave him direction. Amen. And God told him, you take a tree and put it in that water and it'll sweeten it up. As long as there was a Moses to defend. As long as there was a Moses to seek the face of God. As long as there was a conscience and a purity and a passion and a zeal in the heart of a man. The people of God lined up. The people of God were blessed. The glory cloud kept falling down. You better thank God if you have a preacher that'll weep and pray and preach and drive sin out. You better thank God if you got a man of God that has a sword. Oh, praise the Lord. There is, please be seated. There is a vast there is a vast difference between the leadership of Moses and Joshua and the leadership that came marching down the road in Judges. There isn't any comparison with the glory that fell as there was thundering and lightning woke them out of their tents as Moses called the people to come with him that he may introduce them unto the Lord that's what the book said and then Moses marched up to Sinai and the people stood as they heard the trembling and the thundering and the shaking on that mountainside. Smoke and darkness and blackness over past that mountainside as God came down and visited with his man. Oh, and the people of God had a fear of God because they had a man of God that had a fear of God. The people of God had a reverence for God because they had a man of God that had a reverence for God. The only reason why the people of God had a fear of God is because they had a man of God that walked with God. They knew he was a man of God. They knew what was going to happen if they went to murmuring. They knew what was going to happen if they went to complaining. They saw it time and time and time again. And they knew 
what was going to happen when he came down and found them marching around a golden calf and how that his brother Aaron had yielded himself to their to their to their compromise And there's a reason why you have a pastor. And a lay minister will never be your pastor. It is your pastor that's your pastor. Your pastor may be out of town preaching, but your lay minister is not your pastor. The evangelist is not your pastor. He don't know how to stand up to the people the way a Moses does. He's going to always bend over to make them happy. He doesn't have the call. A God-called pastor has got a responsibility to walk into the presence of God. What a far cry from the leadership of Moses and Joshua. As he made them drink down the gold dust. What a far cry of the leadership between Moses and the leadership of Judges. As the glory of God and the power of God and the glory cloud. Amen. The pillar of cloud will appear. And the pillar of fire would appear by night. And they knew that God has come to talk to Moses. They knew that Moses heard from God. Oh, I don't mind telling you there was a fear of God in that church in the wilderness. They'd already seen what happened to Moses' own brother and sister when they got to talking about Moses' apostolic authority. When they got to preaching a little bit. Oh, yeah. Even Moses' own sister and brother couldn't get away with talking about the ministry. And God put that kind of fear in those people. Amen. Come out here, Miriam. Amen. Amen. And her skin became leprous. There was a fear of God in the camp of Israel as long as Moses was around simply because they already seen the earth open up and swallow up a Korah. They saw the demonstration of God's anointing because this man is going to keep the Jebusites out. This man's going to keep the Canaanites out. This man's accountable to God. He's accountable to God. He's accountable to God. He's got a fear of God. He's got a conscience. Oh... Oh, and Korah's dead and the rebels are all eaten up by the earth. And somewhere out of the tent of Israel as as Moses and Aaron walked back into the camp, look what they did to the people of God. It didn't take very long for Israel to realize what they had. It was not that Israel was spiritual when Moses was alive and carnal when he was dead. It was the fact that the only thing that kept Israel from being 
caught up in, in rebellion and being destroyed by God. The only thing that kept Israel from being destroyed by God. The only thing that kept the glory cloud appearing. The only thing that kept the Shekinah falling. The only thing that allowed them to feel the blessings of God was a conscience and a passion that was in a man of God that said, I've got to keep the Jebusites out. I've got to keep the Canaanites out. I'm not going to allow the glory of this place to be turned into some charismatic hogwash. Oh God, there are no holiness churches. There's only holiness preachers. You don't have any holiness on your own. The only holiness you have has got to be affirmed by a man that God puts in your life. A far cry. What a far cry the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Praise the Lord from the leadership that followed them. Amen. What a far cry from the cunning Ehud that snuck into the summer parlor of Eglon. Buried his dagger deep into his bowels. And then fled, ran. Oh, it was leadership. They were judges. They judged evil. They judged good. But you be the decider. You compare them. You compare the leadership of judges. Amen. Gideon. Amen, the mighty man of valor. And he was mighty. And he worked for God. But only to make a golden ephod out of the spoil of those that he consumed that all of Israel went whoring after. Or the whoremongering Samson that slept with whores and played with the anointing of God. I can't tell you he didn't work for God and he didn't do something for God. But you look at the scripture. And you tell me if you see any difference in the leadership. And I want to tell you why this leadership was produced. It happened before the leaders came on the scene in Judges. It happened when some leaders died. Leaders are dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. Before the book of Judges is over, Joshua died. And the scripture made reference to say it like this. And the people of Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and the elders of Israel. It was in their heart. Something was there that was being contained. Something was there that was being held back by leaders. They preached the word of God. And there arose another generation.
which knew not the Lord. I want to tell you, you better. Hopefully, you want to know God. I hope this camp meeting doesn't end without you finding God. Somewhere in your youthful age, you need to find God. You need to know God. And I don't mind telling you that leadership is responsible for helping people find God and know God. Because when those leaders died, there arose a generation that knew not God. And not only did they not know God, but where there's an absence of victory of God in your heart, where there's an absence of the knowledge of God, you need to get one God deep in your soul. You need to know one God's scriptures better than you know the batting average of some stupid baseball player. You better know baptismal scriptures better than you know the football NFL record of some team. You better know the word of God better than you know the sports of this world. Better than you know the worldly music of this world. You better know God. You better get this in your heart. Because if you don't know God and your leadership dies, You will gravitate so far. I, don't, I can't say it any better than the word of the Lord. Let me just read it. Praise the Lord. And there arose another generation. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And they served Balaam. They served Balaam. They forsook the Lord God of their fathers. Which brought them out of the land. They forsook the Lord God. They forsook him. They followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them. They bowed themselves down unto them. They provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. It's the book of Judges where everything begins to fall apart and the pulpit begins to die. I'm going to tell you, just read what happens when the hunger and the thirst of the people of God is for the world and there's not a leader. You just look at it yourself. When the people of God begin to whore after the world, I'm going to tell you what happened in Judges. The people of God did not want to be separate under the Lord. The people of God didn't want to stay away from their movie houses. They didn't want to stay away from their Trinitarian gospel singings. The people of God didn't want to stay away from the local charismatic preacher with a diamond ring on his finger and a big mustache. No, 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 no. The people of God got to lusting after T.D. Jakes. The people of God got to lusting after all the false prophets and the false doctrine and all the compromising garbage. They started calling in the John Maxwells to teach us how to be leaders. Oh, sit down. 
They didn't want to look any different than the rest of the Barbie dolls down at the local assembly of God. The women wearing their mini skirts and their high heels and their makeup and their wedding rings and their, their earrings and their nose rings and their ankle bracelets and their toe rings and their belly button rings laying out in the backyard sun tanning all day long. Laying in tanning beds. They didn't want to leave the world. They were whoring after the world. They were lusting after the world. They didn't want to be a separate people anymore. They did not want to be a separate people. The only thing from keeping this from happening before was a heartbeat in a man named Moses that said, I love God too much. I love God too much. You're going to hear from God because I've heard from God. You're going to walk with God because I'm walking with God. The only thing that kept the sideburns where they needed to be was a Moses that said, you're grieving me. You're grieving me trying to show off your flesh. The only thing that kept them looking from a bunch of bellhops with the buttons running all the way up to their chin. Oh God, you may not like this, that's all right. I really frankly don't care. I'm gonna preach what I feel in my heart tonight. The only thing that kept all the frizzy, permed hair off of the young ladies, amen, it was in their heart, but it was contained, amen. There was a drive, there was a glory cloud, there was a pillar of fire. There was a Moses that said, this is the way we're gonna do it. I heard his voice. The bush is still burning in the back of my mind. The bush is still burning in the back of my mind. I still hear him. They just didn't want to leave. They wanted the world. Yeah, before they found ways to slip around. They did their adultery and their porno on the internet. They didn't need Hustler magazine at the local 7-Eleven. They didn't have to sneak across town to some swanky place. All they had to do was sit in their living room and tune into the internet. I don't have internet and I never will have internet. I've never been on the internet and I never will be on the internet. And I'm going to tell you something else. You better make sure that your telephone does not have internet access. Sit down. You may not want to stand up when I get done anyway. Just sit down. I'm going to tell you this. You're not going to come to my church if you have a cell phone that you can get porno websites downloaded right there on your phone. Get your tail out of my church. 
You're going to love this preaching or you can find you some other place to go. And all you preachers that you don't want to control this internet, you're a fool. Why in the world are you going to give your church away to this world when you could preach and say, make no provision for the flesh? We got preachers with internet. We got preachers with internet. How do you tell your people not to have it if you go to have it? Look. I got some good preacher friends you need to talk to that have some good anointed preachers in their church. They used to be associate assistant pastors whose wives were secretaries that are backslid on their way to hell tonight. And it all started while they were going to church looking at porno day in and day out on their internet. There is no check. It's the devil's tool. The Bible said they hoard after many inventions. The book said they hoard after many inventions, inventors of evil things. I'm telling you, what? Oh, God, I don't give a rip what you think about this preacher. I can feel your spirit right now. Who is this man think? He's going to tell me, you go straight to hell if you want to, but I'm going to preach against porno in the magazines and internet. Oh, Purdue. I've been trying to behave myself tonight. Please. We know. And I frankly don't give a rip what you think about what I'm preaching right now. Because I'm going to preach it anyway. And someone said, well, they're going to have to get some convictions on their own. Show me where anybody's going to get convictions without preaching. Preachers are supposed to preach convictions. I'm telling you where they're going to, their conscience is going to kick in. It's going to kick in. The Bible says, remember them. That's right. Hey, Amen. When they start doing stuff that's been preached, their memory is going to kick in. We know what Brother Purdue preaches about this. We know what Moses said. We know, we know what Brother White just got done teaching last Wednesday night. We know what Brother Uzzle's been preaching around here. That's when it's going to kick in. Draw your line where you want to. Oh, go ahead. Kiss, make out, pet, do anything you want to do. Just don't fornicate. Hang it up, brother. Amen. I said hang it up. You've already opened the thing up to everything when you let them touch. Because the Bible said it's good for a man not to touch, 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 touch a woman. You don't have to kiss, amen, some girl or some boy to find out whether they love truth or not. Save it for marriage. I said save it for marriage. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Look, I'm just trying. 
We're living in a world that's on its way to hell. The devil's coming in like a flood. I'm just trying my best to, I'm just trying my best to do what God's called me to do. I want to present the church as a chaste virgin unto Christ. Oh, praise the Lord. Yeah. She gave him a God. She gave her son a God. And when Moses the man, or should I say Micah the man, when he became a man, he had a house of gods. Read it, it's right there. He had a house of gods. And you know what else he did? He, anointed, he made himself an ephod and a teraphim. And he called his son to preach. He called his son to be his own priest. You're going to be my priest, son. Here's the teraphim and here's the ephod. It's yours. He consecrated his own boy. You can't consecrate your son. Only God can consecrate your son. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. Amen. It wasn't enough for him to consecrate his son. He needed more validity in his life. So he found him a traveling Levite. He found him a man looking for a church. Just looking for a church, a Levite looking for a place to call home. I'm for hire. Anybody want a preacher? And he said, well, come in here. I'll give you, I'll give you 10 shekels a year. I'll give you 10 shekels a year and a brand new Louis L'Amour suit. I'll give you 10 shekels a year and two gold trumpeteers and all the food you can eat if you'll come here and be my priest. He said, man, that sounds like more than I'm making now. And Micah bought him a preacher. He needed validity. He needed credibility. So he bought him a priest. That's what followed dead leaders. When the leaders died, the pulpits began to die. Come on, Elder. Preachers influenced by money. Wealth. Listen to me. Listen to me. You think you're taking shortcuts and you're getting your way? God's given you what you want. You don't want to separate yourself from this world? You don't want a man of God to preach to you, to save your kids? What about your kids? What about your families? What about your grandchildren? Are they going to have any resemblance of what Pentecost is? Look at the condition of Pentecost in this world. I challenge any preacher in this church to tell me, where's Pentecost heading? I was preaching this gospel 25 years ago. Everything I am is what leadership put in me. Now I want to ask you, where, are, where is this generation going to get what we've got? It came through preaching. Through looking at men that stood out of the crowd with a passion and a hunger and a burden to put something in people. Now I'm going to ask you something. Where is this generation going to get that put in them? Leaders are dead. Pulpits are dying. Because we want to please 
preachers are wanting to please the pew. Greedy preachers. Trying to assimilate a massive crowd. A big crowd. You can't pastor that many people. Who do you think you, you hey, you start pastoring them, start preaching to them. See how big their crowd is. You're just jealous, Purdue. I ain't got a jealous bone in my body. I'm not jealous. I'm thankful. If you're preaching truth, I'll celebrate it with you. But my Lord, if you're scared to death, you're going to apologize for going after nine o'clock. If your church can't handle an hour and a half sermon, they ain't got much. If they're bored and they're tired and weary because church went to 10 o'clock, you ain't put the right thing in your church. When I evangelized, it was seven days a week, 50 bucks a week. Seven and seven, seven days a week. Are you hearing me? Getting out at 12 and 1 o'clock in the morning with old gray-headed ladies walking out of the church going, men still lying on the floor and snot pulls a snot under them. I'm telling you, it wasn't fancy. It wasn't fancy, but it sure enough got a lot of generations a relationship with God. Says, sit down. You may not want to stand up before I get done anyway. You're just cocky. You're just arrogant. No, I'm not. No, I'm really not. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not trying to be cocky. I haven't done anything for God. I'm just trying to get, get to heaven. I got to get out of here alive, brother. I got to get to heaven. And you know what? I want to see my son saved. And now I got a grandson. I want to see him saved. And I got kids that's coming into the church, second and third generation. And I'm seeing what's happening all over this country. And the pressure's on. And preachers are not crying out. And not only that, but if you preach like this, you won't be invited back to the next year's conference. Bless God, we're going to put the quahitas on you. We're going to tighten you up. You ain't going to come into our camp meeting and preach like this. My God, you're going to hurt my poor people. My poor people can't handle this. You're going to offend sinners that might be there. We might have the mayor there. We might have some executive somewhere on some IBM. We may have some rich guy that pulled up in a, in a BMW or a Jaguar. You may run them off. Then they need to be run off and so do you preaching like this ain't gonna run nobody off that has a hunger for God this is just gonna identify this is gonna identify there's something real in this church there's something real what's that glory cloud what's that I feel the thunder the lightning trying to be mean brother Adams I'm sick I'm sick of the apathy they 
I'm losing my mind. I really do. Because I sit. Matter of fact, this message was burning in my soul for about three weeks. And I kept throwing my glasses down. 1.30 in the morning. The other night I was reading through the book of Judges and I got sick. Because I said, God, you're leading me down a path that goes way out in the backwoods somewhere. Nobody wants this kind of preaching. This isn't popular. Why are you showing me this? Come on. I can preach it to my church. That's about it. Yes. I'd, I'd just soon preach to my church. I'm not looking for a place to preach. I'm sick of it. Really, in my being, in my, man, my natural man, it's getting harder and harder to preach out. Because... I'm going to have a bad spirit. Come on. I, I'm trying to prove something. I'm going to win the martyr badge. I'm the only martyr, the last one left. Doesn't anybody feel this? Yes, sir, Doesn't anybody think about this? Yes, sir, really? Don't we think about leaving this world? We're really going to leave this world. Yes, sir. These kids are really going to have to live in this world. Apathy. Yeah, there was a Levite that found him a concubine and she whored around on him, went down to daddy's house for four months. He finally got to missing the company of his concubine, so he went down there to get her. And when he went down to get her, he was nothing. His mind wasn't on nothing but drinking and being merry. Kept him around there a few days and he finally left and said, come on, we're out of here. And they started sojourning. This Levite from Bethlehem, Judah, and he went down there and finally they arrived in no other town but Gibeah. Got to Gibeah, the first ones that crept in amongst the people of God. And it was there at Gibeah that these perverts came to the old man's house that put him up for the night. It was there that they began to cry and scream, send them out here so we can know them. Perverts and filthy sexual predators send them out here that we could know them and they got his concubine and all night long they took turns with her they abused her all night long to the breaking of day they dropped her off at the house and she made it as far as the door of the threshold before she died This Levite was backslid as a goose. But he just thought, surely, something can be done about this. But he knew the apathy of his, of his land. He knew the apathy that had already settled into every tribe. I'm telling you, I'm not worried about offending anybody here tonight. I think Pentecost is almost beyond that. get offended anymore. They laugh. Just like you preached last night. They blaspheme. Ah, Purdue. <laughs> Purdue's over the top. Yeah, that's why I don't preach our meetings anymore. Man, I got people I'm working with. He might run them off. I got, I got cloud. I got... We can't have preaching that goes that long. He's so long-winded. 
I got something to say. Takes time to preach. How many of you ever stopped mowing grass after 45 minutes? Oh my God, I've been mowing 45 minutes. I got to quit. How many of you ladies been vacuuming the house? Oh my God, I've been vacuuming 35 minutes. I got to shut, shut it up. Quit. I've been doing laundry for 45 minutes. Got to quit. You hypocrite. Bunch of hypocrites. Oh my God, I've been washing the car and vacuuming out the inside of the car for 45 minutes. I'm not done. I got to quit. What you do when you're washing the car? You just quit because you've been at it 45 minutes? You hypocrite? You backslid hypocrite? Your clothes worth more than a message from God? Is your stupid car worth more than a message from God? Do you quit when you're washing the car mowing the yard and you ain't done in an hour? No, because it takes time to mow the yard. time to wash the dishes and it takes time to do the laundry. It takes time to preach. It takes time to preach. It takes time to preach something you got burning in your gut. It takes time. What would you have to do if you had to stand and hear the reading of the law for a day? I'm going to tell you something. You critics better learn to shut your mouth when the preacher goes over an hour and you ought to thank God. Thank God we've got a Moses that's preaching something to us and our kids. I'm telling you the truth. It takes time. Paul preached till midnight. Somebody fell out the window and he went down and he healed him and he preached to the break in a day. You want to be apostolic? Shout now. I ain't worried about making anybody mad tonight. Ain't worried about it. It's got beyond that, brother. Ain't worried about offending somebody. You can't be offended. This old boy said, there ain't no need me calling up Dan. Manasseh, all these tribes and telling them what's happened to my concubine. She's right. dead. She's right. been raped all night long. Right. Ain't nobody going to care. Right. And he laid his concubine on a table. And he cut off her leg. Cut off her leg to the knee. And he wrapped it up in a piece of paper and he put it right there. Then he cut the knee up to the pelvis bone. He wrapped it up in a piece of paper and put it there. Cut off her head. Wrapped it up in some Arm to the elbow. Twelve pieces, bone and all. Cut her up. I can see him crying, looking like a madman. 
And he sent and paid messengers. And he wrote a little note. This is what the sons of Belial from Gibeah did to my concubine. Takes too much to stir us. Apathy has taken a hold because the leaders are dead and the pulpits are dying. I'm going to close. I'm going to close. You just check it out. It's a far cry from the leadership of a Moses and a Joshua. And the theme of Judges was every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Leadership's gone. This is the way I'm going to pastor. I'm not going to bring men in this church that's going to offend my people. This is the way I'm going, Pastor. I'm not accountable to anybody. This is right in my own eyes. Finally, finally, here's what it all came to. Now go and write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not. And to the prophets, prophesy not. Prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. We don't want to be separate. We don't want to drive Jebusites out. We don't want sin out. We want it in. We don't want to feel like we have to sneak around to go rent a DVD. Just open it up. I understand now they're parading the women of the church up to cut their hair and show the liberty that we're not under any bonds anymore. You don't have to look very far, friend, to find this. You don't have to look very far to see this happening. Now, I'm telling you, Brother Usley, it's happening. Brother Adams, it's happening. You don't have to go very far to see this. It's just around the corner. Listen to what God's reply was. Wherefore thus saith the Holy One of Israel. Because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness and stay thereon. 
Therefore, this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall. Swelling out in a high wall whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. And he shall break it as the breaking of a potter's vessel that is broken in pieces and shall not spare that there shall not be found in the bursting of it a sherd big enough to take fire from a hearth or water out of the pit. God said, you don't know it yet, but because you don't want my word and you don't want the sound of a voice of a preacher, I'm going to give you what you want. This is what God said. It's going to be like a breach ready to fall. The swelling, the swelling of a high wall. Hear me. Pentecost has has an infiltration. Pentecost is deteriorating. I know I'm negative. I know I'm negative. I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. There is a high wall that's swelling and there's a breach that's ready to burst. Just in the last 20 years or 10, I can can show you and any man of God that's traveled this country can show you what's happening. Entire churches and Groups of fellowship no longer preach anything. And there's people in here, if you don't, if you don't pray and seek God and get behind your leadership and fast and ask God to put a fire in his belly, your walls fixing to burst in. Bible says. The Bible says in Jeremiah 14, ye shall not, ah, uh, oh, it says, then said I, ah, oh, Lord God, behold, the prophets say unto them, ye shall not see the sword, neither shall ye have famine. Hey, don't get alarmed. Look, this is all, uh, this is over the top. Look, look, we've got something good going on. We're reaching the world. This is over the, this is extremism. This is maniac preaching. I mean, I'm, I'm just telling this there's going to be peace here. Right. You just come. We, we, it's peace here. We, we got gym night for the kids. And I'm not against that. It's going to be a comfortable place to come to church. We ain't going to be up, no sermons past 9 o'clock. Choir out, sing the preaching. Everybody's going to have a place here to get involved in the work of the Lord. It's going to be sweet and nice and easy. Peace. And, and there'll be no famine. There ain't no famine. And we got preaching around here. You're going to hear preaching around here. There ain't going to be no famine. There's famine. There's famine. Pulpits are dying. The Bible goes on and says, 
their wives and their sons and their daughters. I'm going to pour wickedness upon them. There. You know who's going to suffer? You know who's going to suffer because of all this? You are. You, you want the world. You're tired of your preacher trying to keep the world and the Gibeonites and the Jebusites and the evil out of here. God's going to give you what you want. And it's going to be your sons and your daughters. For the virgin daughter of my people is broken with a great breach, verse 17, and a very grievous blow. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their means and my people, my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end thereof? How are you going to get your kids back to a real church? There are some invisible lines there are some invisible lines. How are you going to get them to love truth when they've served other gods? Bow down to them. You're right, Elder. Ah, there's more. How are you going to get a generation back? Before it was all over, just follow it. Then came Samuel. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. If there's any desire and sincerity and hunger in you tonight, it's time for you to show the devil what you really want. And I'm not qualified to preach to preachers but I feel a burden on my heart. If you are a preacher that loves God, it's time. It's time to preach. There's people starving. you're going to make it against the law to breathe in an apostolic church. No, it's not. It's just that them cell phones now have become accesses of evil and slime pits. It's just that internet has so very little to offer you in productivity. Really? If you have to work on it and it's a part of your job, then do your job. 
You don't have to have internet to play around on. It's not a game. I'm not trying to pastor your church. I'm telling you what I feel God telling me to preach. I'm telling you, internet's destroying people. There's people leaving their homes to go meet boys and girls across the country. you believe that a man's preaching like this in another man's church at a meeting? What's going on? This man's lost his mind. Well, if you're hungry, if you're sincere tonight, and you have, you have any desire to really get to heaven and see your kids turn around, here's what you ought to do. You ought to get to this altar tonight and you ought to find your place to pray and ask God to help you. God, give me a, anoint my preacher to preach like never before. I'm behind preaching. I'm behind my pastor. Preach to me. I love you. That's why I'm preaching to you. I can't. children that are bachelor here or not, I'm not trying to hurt them. I'm trying to save them. Let me tell you, the reason why many of them don't want anything to do with this is they think we're phonies. We're not phonies. We're not phonies. This is real. Somewhere in this building, I want the Holy Ghost to search out a heart that says, don't let leadership die in my life. Please don't quit preaching. Brother Uzzle, it's the Holy Ghost that's pulling on you to tell us what you've been telling us around here. The mantle's falling upon you. Please don't quit. I know you love my kids. I know you don't, you're not trying to make life hard on us. You're trying to help us. You got a pastor here tonight. You love this truth. I want to see the Holy Ghost find an access to your spirit and conscience right now and just bring you to an altar to seek God and cry out to God. God, keep leadership alive in my life. The only thing between us and that is the leadership. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray.